This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Another big story in the news right now, and I don't know, people are getting all worked up about this. Here's a reminder. Twitter is voluntary. You you, you don't have to be on Twitter. You If, if you don't like the way it's going, or just don't go there. It's quite all right. But, um, of course, as you probably heard, Elon Musk is now the owner of Twitter. It cost him $44 billion. Uh, the deal that went on and on and on and it was going to happen and then it wasn't. Ultimately, it got done yesterday. And immediately, Elon Musk fired the C-suite. Some of the people in charge of Twitter got rid of them. Um, so, I mean, he makes a splash. That's what Elon Musk does. But should people be getting their hair on fire about this? What does this mean going forward? We're going to find out. We're going to chat now with Dr. Annabelle Kwan Hase, a professor of information and media studies and sociology at Western University. Uh, doctor, thank you so much for your time. I appreciate you joining us today. Oh, hello, Shay. Thanks for having me. Okay, so let's just go back through the history of this. Why did Elon Musk ever decide he wanted to own Twitter anyway? What was the thinking there? Well, I mean, I think he did not follow your advice because <laughs> I like your advice. You know, if you don't like what you see, leave the platform. Yeah. But um, I think he, you know, Elon Musk, that's not his personality. So um, I think the more he spent time on the platform, you know, the more he, you know, kind of observed, you know, uh, how the platform was being regulated, like it was very heavily regulated. So I think he was really opposed to that. And um, his vision, you know, for social media is as a kind of open space, uh, a space for debate. And I think he sees it really as literally a town square where everybody can do and say anything they want. Now, why did he, why did he stop and start on the deal? What changed as it went along? Because like you say, I think that was the thinking. Originally, he thought he'd jump in and he'd fix everything. And then the deal fell apart. What, what happened there? I mean, what changed his mind? Do we know? Yeah, there were, I mean, there were really a couple of things happening at, at the same time, Shay. So, I mean, one of them uh, was just kind of a massive backlash on Twitter. So yeah. I think that, I mean, it really kind of shows the complexity of this because, you know, as long as you're hearing what you want to hear, uh, Twitter is a, go- a great platform. But I think what happened to Elon Musk is that, you know, the moment he kind of uh, thought he would buy it, people really kind of um, were very you know, concerned. I think Canadians, you know, were very concerned. But on a global scale, I think we heard a lot of voices, um, you know, raising a number of different concerns. And then he kind of realized, well, this is going to be a lot more difficult uh, than I originally thought, you know, and it, it, it may not play out the, one, the way I want it. And um, in particular, because I think his vision is kind of twofold. I think uh, we often kind of focus on the public sphere or the public town square vision that he right. has. But I think in addition to that, he, he really wants to make it kind of like a mega platform, like the way Facebook wants, you know, uh, 
you know, Meta wants Facebook to become this new kind of Meta. I think he has similar visions as well for Twitter. You know, like you said, the town square, um, you know, all voices. I mean, in terms of freedom of speech, I don't know. I don't know how much it applies to a private platform run by a billionaire to begin with. But that's a lot of what the conversation is about. Freedom of speech. So how does that fit into this? And, you know, how does that affect that discussion? Oh, no, absolutely. I mean, I think that, first of all, um, you know, most of these platforms need to have, like, expert advisories who can, you know, provide advice on how do you even put something like that in place? Because any town square, I mean, you can kind of imagine that any town square where you let people do whatever they want can quickly become chaos, anarchy. So that's very similar with Twitter. I think the, the idea, you know, the, the, you know, the kind of vision of a town square is great um, as a fantasy, but implementing that in reality is completely different just because, mm-hmm. first of all, uh, Twitter falls under Canadian law. Like there's so much, you know, regulation that already is in place. So regardless of whether, you know, it's private or it's, you know, uh, traded, it, it still has to follow, you know, all of that, uh, you know, that regulation. Yeah. Um, ultimately, what does it mean for Twitter? I mean, he's a businessman. He he didn't do this out of the goodness of his heart. He wants to make money. That's what he does. Um, what will this mean for... I, I don't know. I, I, I keep seeing people saying they're abandoning the platform. What do you think it means for Twitter going forward? Well, I think there's a number of trends. First of all, yes. I mean, we often hear that whether it's Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter, uh, there's kind of like a short-term backlash from users mm-hmm. who say, you know... Um, you know, leave Facebook, leave Twitter, quit. Um, but the reality is that a lot of users have established a persona, you know, have established their own personal accounts and identities over years often. And so, I mean, they're not going to leave that, you know, maybe thousands of followers, you know, and a platform for engaging and following you. So it is really valuable for users. So I don't really see uh, users leaving the platform short term. I think the worry really is much more long term. Um, you know, I think, Shay, as you suggested, you know, it's going to become much more, you know, it's going to follow much more a business model, I think, similar to uh, Facebook and other social media where the emphasis is no longer on connection, but rather on commerce. And uh, that is the part that I think many people are kind of worried. And that could have long term impacts where, you know, people may be looking to other platforms um, like TikTok, sure. you know, or yeah. even newer platforms just because that commercialization is really problematic. Uh, of course, so much of what happens on Twitter, I mean, at least in the world I live in, and this this is the other thing, it's not the real world, it's sort of, it, it's the bubbles that we all inhabit. It's There's a lot of politics, there's a lot of political discussion, there's political announcements, there's all that stuff. Um, and, and, and you know how misinformation and all the rest affects that. So in terms of, I mean, I don't know how it can change, but it, do you think it could change and affect the way that politics function in our part of the world? I think it really could. And um, one of the big, big worries here is really the idea that um, he he wants to deregulate um, uh, Facebook and Twitter. So I think the deregulation piece is where I worry in, in terms of, you know, it impacting potentially debate and even, you know, like election outcomes and the like. And uh, we've seen that before in other platforms. And I think what happens here is that, first of all, we see an amplification of hate speech. So 
that can really be difficult to kind of monitor and manage because, you know, like there's, it's so difficult to evaluate, you know, what is an opinion, uh, what is a personal attack. Um, and so there, there needs to be kind of a lot in place in terms of, you know, uh, human coding, you know, algorithm, et cetera, that mm-hmm. comes together to kind of counter that. Uh, but the second thing that also really worries me is the systematic silencing of some voices. And they can happen at different levels. It can happen, you know, at the level of the algorithm, uh, you know, making some information more prominent. And he's been saying that he wants to change the algorithm. So certainly a big worry. But it can also happen at the, la- at the level of more kind of, um, you know, personal attacks, just, you know, being, um, you know, be- being allowed, I would say, on a platform. Because... You can kind of imagine it as a journalist, potentially, or a researcher. You know, if you're putting um, findings out there or you're, you know, providing opinion on, on a topic or an issue of debate, you know, these are often controversial, but they require a lot of debate and perspective. Mm-hmm. Um, but what we could see here is that through personal attacks on people, on family, in particular on, you know, racialized people, um, you know, we could see these voices really then being silenced just through the way that these attacks could be targeted. Right, yeah, exactly. I mean, just changing the way the platform functions. Um, Doctor, thank you so much for joining us today. I really appreciate the insight. Well, Shay, thanks so much for having me. And I, I, I do think many of us are now wondering, well, should we stay on face, uh, on Twitter? Should we, you know, what, what social media should we be going yeah. to? I think you're right. And we'll, you know what? We'll just see how it goes. I mean, we don't even know what it's going to look like, right? <laughs> yeah. Thanks, thanks so much doc- for having me. Yeah, Shay. you bet. Thanks very much.